BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast Annual Holiday Special. I am Jason, with me as usual as Rich, and we also have our typical holiday special guests, Rainus Lattice and Curtis Harris. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you doing? Great to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you guys. We've got uh, we got quite a classic here, which at first looks like a bit of a bummer of a game, but actually you dig into it, and there's some really fun stuff here. It is the Christmas 1977 game between the Buffalo Braves and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Right now, we are CBS is wishing us a, a season's <laughs> greetings, and we've got Santa Claus but shaking the hands of the crowd. And the Derelict Santa here. <laughs> in the wonderful, uh, beautiful confines of Richfield Coliseum, um, which yeah, we'll get into the Richfield Coliseum a little bit here. But, um, yeah, we got washed up Clyde Frazier there. You know, some uh, <laughs> some, some excellent stuff there. So, um, so yeah, we're, uh, we got Marvin Barnes. You know, he's going to be uh, – He's been playing here. He's, you know, joining the Braves. He's, you know, he's back. He's, he's in top condition. You know, he's going to be taking over the NBA. Going to be the bad news decade over the, uh, over the eighties. So things are, things are going well. NBA's uh, riding high. Wow. The stands are completely empty. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> would you yeah, go see oh the Buffalo God. Braves and the Cleveland Cavaliers in a, yeah. on Christmas day in 1977? So. I mean, we probably would, but not. I mean, I would because I'm an idiot. But yeah, yeah no, but. right. I mean, you make the drive all the way to Richfield. You might That'd as well. be a hell of a drive for me. Yeah, but um. yeah. Well, even if you live in Cleveland, it was like an hour. You know, yeah, it was, right, it, was pretty, right. it was pretty far away. It was like between, halfway between uh, halfway between uh, Cleveland and Akron. Apparently, the idea was more to get the to make it more of a regional area because you had a lot of people who were kind of within an hour of Richfield, but most people were like, "No, I don't really want to go to Richfield." And, yeah, that um, was that was the big, yeah. you know. And, and Curtis could probably speak to that a little bit more, you know, you know, that studying you know NBA history as much as he has, but uh, and sports history in general too. Like, yeah, the '60s and the '70s was the big. We got to put stadiums in the suburbs to get all the people from all the other areas, and then it's like, actually, we'll just put them in a city where everybody lives. That's probably the better way to uh, go about it, but. You know, that's why you get the Richfield Coliseum and all these different uh, 
random towns that had you know the stadiums for a while right. or you know washington dc of course where, where, where curtis is from yeah that's you know out in the oh hey hey hey, hey. It's where you live. It's not yeah not where you're from yeah <laughs> it's not, i apologize oh <laughs> uh, but now you're, you're you're generally right about the stadium stuff like in the 40s 50s and 60s the stadiums are usually downtown and then starting in the late 60s they're like yeah let's get on with the suburbanization and um, I think the Forum was the first NBA arena that was really out in the suburbs. And the Lakers moved out to Inglewood, and uh, that really persisted. Through, I think like the late '80s, early '90s, and they started to relocate them back into downtown areas. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like Auburn yeah. Hills was like the last big Auburn one Hills. Yeah. 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 yeah, right. Yeah, that was that was later. Obviously, that was kind of the last one that you know in the NBA at least that kind of went back into the city. So. Yeah, the worst one was It's like the uh, yeah, like you mentioned, the bullets, uh, the Capital Center, like that. Yeah. That that was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, Out right. Of <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah, and that's I mean, still no, the the you know the Washington's the, the football stadium is still there, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's close to where the Capital Center mm-hmm. uh, was. But yeah, that's in the middle of nowhere too. Uh, okay. Gotta have, and had to have parking lots. As as <laughs> it's all about parking lots. People love those big yeah. giant parking lots. Yeah, I mean, Richville Coliseum was literally in the middle of a cornfield. So, I mean, it was definitely in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I love looking at. I, uh, uh, I, I I tend to like go back and like look at where stadiums used to be. I, I for some reason am fascinated by that, and uh, it was always amazing to to see that uh, see where it is now because it's like you would have never in a million years if you walked somebody up there and said, "Here you go, this you know this is where the Richville Coliseum was." Nobody would believe you because it's literally just an empty field with trees around it. <laughs> it's like, yes, this is where an NBA basketball arena. Uh, was located. I promise, like, not that long ago either, so. Yeah. Although, it, it was regarded as a pretty fun arena to play into. Like, Larry Bird said it was one of his favorites. Um, I never saw basketball there, but I did go to a Peter Gabriel concert Ooh. there in 1983. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's some good times. Right, we're about to tip off with a... Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites, Vin Nader. Yeah. And he wins the tip. Yeah. I think that was Jones, or was, was that Jones or Brewer? Um, uh, I think that Brewer, be. actually. Yeah. No, just one Buffalo. dribble. Oh, come on. When, who who yeah. puts the ball on the floor? Get him out of the court. If I'm, yeah, I'm taking him off right now, yeah. Who, who put, don't put Buffalo the ball back started on the, the game floor. Four ABA alums. Yeah, so that's right. Starting with four ABA alums. I think they have seven total um, playing in this game. So Yeah, yeah. Buffalo team was really weird this year. Yeah, that, yeah. Might, that might have something to do with their record. well yeah i mean at this point they were actually 13 and 16 so they weren't that bad um you know they'd made a whole i mean they they basically revamped the team over the last two years you know they they they'd lost mcadoo they'd lost ernie d they'd lost jim mcmillan and john shoemate only randy smith was kind of the last guy who was you know a big part of that um and you know they'd traded for tiny archibald in the offseason then he tore his achilles during the preseason so they never got he never played a regular season game in Buffalo. So on paper, they whether they could have maybe been an okay team before that happened. And like I so said, they started okay. But yeah, if you're relying on like, you know, oh yeah, Marvin Barnes is going to come back and be awesome for us. And, you know, that's not a good recipe for success, obviously. So oh, I think their, their so best we'll player at this point was Billy Knight. Yeah, and he's also sort of a weird player because I, I don't think he ever had a a good team season in the NBA, right? He mostly put up numbers, so it's hard to evaluate him from this from this perspective. To uh, Billy Knight, Billy Knight, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, he played most of his career with the Pacers. Like he he kind of had a, a he went from the uh, Pacers uh, to the Braves in the trade for Adrian Dantley, um, and then went to the um, went to the Celtics when the Braves moved to uh, the to San Diego to become the Clippers in that you know the infamous uh, franchise swap deal, and then ended up like in Indiana like another year later and played most of his career with the uh, with the Pacers. So not. Not really good oppor- team opportunities for him, but um, he put up huge numbers like his first three or four seasons, and then after that was more just kind of like a pedestrian, like okay player. Um, I'm not really sure what happened to, to then for him to um, drop off, but it wasn't like you know the less numbers but the better team. Not a great shot, though. <laughs> yeah, no. that was a terrible ass shot. Yeah. <laughs> that was a little off. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice shot. Uh, Jason, if, do we have a? Uh... Do you want to do a uh, drinking game for for this? An often a, a, a celebrate, you know, a common thing in our uh, holiday special. Yeah, uh, bad every shots time, is a good one, uh, a good start yeah. already. So that right, every, every time Smud Nader uh, fucking up time, is is a good one too. So yeah, every time Walt Frazier looks washed up, <laughs> I can do that. All right, that sounds good. Let's do it. Yeah, how do we feel about seeing him in a Cavaliers uniform? There, I there can't be that many televised examples of him, you know, on YouTube of him as a Cavalier. This I'd like to consider has it to be not. The, True. Yeah, I, I don't think it's actually accurate. So, um, yeah, that's somebody else. <laughs> yeah, that is that just looks awful. That yeah, is, not him. I don't know who that is, but uh, I would it, his twin or yeah. his brother. It, it's not. It's not. Yeah, and I wonder how much did that did that weigh on the decision to broadcast this particular game because it's definitely very weird for a Christmas game. I was yeah. thinking about that too. I was like, what made them decide to do Buffalo Cleveland as a nationally televised game? Because they do, ha- they did have 76ers next this particular day, and I'm not certain whether they did show that on CBS, but it's it seems much more appealing. Well, yeah, it looks like from the broadcast, this is the only NBA game on this broadcast. I'm not oh, sure if they were God. showing them regionally, um, or you know, if if it was you know um, Cleveland, um, Buffalo, in certain parts of the country, and then other parts of the country at other games, because um, they definitely would do that. Um, you know, in this period, or you know, maybe slightly afterward. But yeah, I, I couldn't find that out for sure. But yeah, this is also during a time as well where the NBA would. St- I mean, there was like seven games on, on Christmas Day, and I'm guessing right. CBS wasn't showing all of them uh, on this day. No. So I, I do. Yeah, that's a very interesting question of what you know, what what got put on, what got taken off, or I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe they did put like four or five different games on here, and this is like the morning game or something like that. But uh, yeah, the crowd would certainly well, indicate that it's the morning game. But, uh, right. That's also yeah, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, so you know. they, I think they had golf on after this. Um, if I if I recall correctly, <laughs> of course they, they did. Not. Yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> There's always some invitational coming on after yeah. the games. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, so back to Frazier for a moment. But, yeah, he was traded to the Cavs in October 1977 as compensation for the Knicks signing Jim Clemens. Um, he wasn't a fan of the trade. He compared. He later compared playing Cleveland uh, to Siberia. This was game 25 Whoa. of the 66 <laughs> in three seasons that he would play with the Cavs for his retirement over three seasons. So – um, actually he played okay this season. Like he was still, you know, um, stats wise, he was still about as good as he had been at least the last couple of seasons, a little bit down from his, you know, all NBA all-star form you know, back when the Knicks were winning championships, but he was on a better team. So, um, than the Knicks were the t- team wise, you know, he was okay. And like I said, this season worked out reasonably well up until he had a season ending injury, but, um, you know, obviously it is uh, jarring. I-, I think, it does not help that the Cavs have like you know one of the more ridiculous looking like uniform. Oh, stop! Um, Get out of here. You know, 
Please. Great. Those are great. Yeah, Curtis. <laughs> you do the one. You do the. Are others. they great? Are, well, I, hold I, on. Let's appreciate the speed of Randy Smith while we're. Oh here. yeah. There we go. Like, just for everyone watching, just keep an eye on number nine. The man <laughs> runs up and down the court really fast. Yeah. Just. It's a lot of one fun. of the greatest athletes ever to be in the NBA. And th- there is an argument to be made that he is actually the best player in this game, like at this particular moment in his career. Oh, I think that's no doubt. He's the, yeah, that, at this moment, yeah, he's the best player in this game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Billy, I, I would put up bigger stats, but yeah, I, I think you know, overall, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think we had a. Do we have a, a Isn't slight this issue? Year he won the All Star Game MVP. Hey, what yep, uh, what yep, part of the game are you guys here. seeing here? Um, I think by Frazier. Frazier shooting free throws right now. Yeah, I don't think that's right. Um, hmm. My computer randomly had a crash, so I'm trying to figure out okay. where we were. So. Will it affect us if you change yours or? Uh... Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm because okay. right now you should be seeing Swen Nader uh, doing a... I mean, we'll, we'll just jump. We'll just pick it up at this point. That's fine. <laughs> okay. We might be seeing a repeat. So if you're watching this and you're like, ah, that looks familiar, I think... I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure if it jumped ahead in the video or not, so... Um, well, nothing has changed for me. Okay, all right. Then we're good. So we'll just continue on and act like I didn't say anything. So. Okay, fair enough. So yeah, you're just, right just ignore Rich as usual. That's, that's yeah. honestly probably the best plan, so... There so we go. I'm drinking for yeah. that, whatever that play oh. was. So, <laughs> oh, Randy's on the loose. Yeah. I don't know there what that play was, but I am drinking. Wow. I think a good drinking game is just uh, whenever Randy Smith looks fast as hell. I can do yeah. that. I can do that, yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. I don't know if I'm lasting the whole hour and 20 minutes of the game. <laughs> You're, you would not be the Iron Man like Randy No, I would Smith. certainly not be an Iron Man <laughs> no. if, if that happens. So... so yeah, Randy Smith, he'd been with the Braves since 72, which was their second season. Made the team after being drafted in the seventh round. Um, previous year, he'd actually been second team All-NBA. Uh, this would uh, this year, he would end up having a second All-Star appearance and be the All-Star Game MVP. Um, and he would he would last with the, the, the franchise one year in San Diego, then would actually go to the Cavs for a couple years and then bounced around. Um, ending his career with a second stint with the Clippers in which he broke um, Red Kerr's Ironman record. So um, they do talk about it later in the commentary, but at the time, um, Randy Smith actually, in terms of active um, records, he was um, he was actually fourth at the time in um, in active records. Uh, he was at game 461 of what would end up being his 906-game uh, Ironman streak, and he was... Uh, Behind Jojo White, who had a, a streak of 475 that was going to be, end in about a month. Um, Artis Gilmore, who was on game 523 of a 670-game streak. And then Ron Boone, who was at 775 and would reach 1,041. Um, and for some reason, during the broadcast, they do mention Gilmore's streak, which, of course, included ABA games, but did not mention Ron Boone's streak. So don't know why Ron Boone is getting this shirt like that, but I guess, you know, Kansas City, nothing nothing that happens in Kansas City counts in the NBA. Apparently. Yes, one eight or four. A very nice man, I might add. Yeah, you interviewed him, right? Yeah, yeah, had, had the pleasure. Or, uh, really a, a polite human being. Like, talking with him, like, in general, even off, off, off the record, like, without the microphones on. Yeah, he, I, he really told some good stories, I remember, um, on um, on that episode. And uh, he said, like, seemed like a really sweet guy. Oh, yeah. And a unique life story, I might add. I, he, he was in an orphanage until the age of, I don't know, five, five or six. 
I don't remember the specific, specific details uh, back in Netherlands and Europe. So, hypothetically, he's one of the ever first uh, European players in the NBA, but uh, obviously he went to the USA at an early age and uh, then went through the whole UCLA program. So, uh, a unique life story, definitely. And also has some, like, tree trunks for legs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, like, when I wrote an article about him, like, the guy several years ago now, like, I found a photo, I was like, holy shit, this dude has, like, quads out the wide dude. Hell of a rebounder. Yeah. Exactly. Only, if you got thighs like that, you could just box everybody out. I can't believe Only player to lead the ABA and NBA in rebounds per game. Um, by the way, I had never noticed this or thought about this, or maybe I just forgot all about it, but he made an, something similar to a sky hook earlier in this game. I wonder if there's some sort of UCLA connection with Jabbar. Yeah, that, that's, a good, that's a good question. He, he made he makes several sky hooks during this game. Of course, you know, um, yeah, I mean, you know, um, Kareem got his, he, he kind of, you know, he started doing the sky hook in high school, I believe, so... Um, he didn't learn it at UCLA, but certainly you know, perfected it there. Damn, Curtis, I should not have done that tricky game that you wanted me to do. <laughs> <laughs> the Randy Smith hustling uh, is not going yeah. well for, uh, for me over here. No. Right. Uh, yeah, that, but uh, the hook shot was in Nader's repertoire. So, um, but I don't think, pretty sure he did not overlap with Kareem at UCLA. I know he was there with Bill Walton. Right. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. He he might have been a freshman once, once, once. No, he, he was the. Uh, I think he went to junior college and then did two years. Oh, yeah. So, um, but maybe yeah. I, I, he, certainly, if it was an inspiration, perhaps there was a, an assistant coach who you know helped Kareem with his that helped Nader with his or something like that. But yeah, I the connection was definitely interesting. Cavaliers definitely look small against him. Like they're almost oh, like, yeah. look like small ball. Similar, oh, similar. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Will Jones? Was that Will Jones? No, I think that was still no, Jones. Will Jones is with the uh, oh yeah. Braves. yeah yeah oh yeah. But no, yeah, Jim Jones. You know what? He he doesn't get enough credit for the. Uh, the 1980 Lakers went into the championship. Yeah, he was basically the starting power forward, especially after Spencer Haywood uh, had his incident, we'll say. Uh, but yeah, when, then when Kareem went down for that game six, uh, Chones, like Magic, uh, God, I'm getting on my hobby horse, I'm sorry. But Magic gets all that credit. Please get on the high horse, let's go. Yeah. And Magic, you know, does did have like a great game, there's no doubt about it. People are like, oh, Magic won it all for him. It's like, like Magic jumped at center at the center court, uh, but like Jim Jones actually played center that game. Yeah, now you're gonna really tell me Willis job. Reed did single-handedly yeah. win yeah. a game for the Knicks right. after hobbling. Right. So okay, Curtis, right. sure, yeah, sure, <laughs> great, yeah. Next, you're gonna say that the NBA began as two leagues, not one league. Yeah, get out of here. This is why. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean my conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 go with what the narratives are and just go with that for uh, so without questioning uh, it at here. all. A lot of dribble in there by Clyde. Yeah, one thing they mention is that, um, like, Clyde was doing less of the ball handling for the Cavs, and it was more. Uh, he he said his role was kind of as a designated shooter, which um, they don't imply that he disliked, but um, 
you know, I, I would think that might have had something to do with the fact that he wasn't a big fan of uh, Cleveland. But Austin Carr apparently was um, doing more of the ball handling at that point. Um, also, they do mention the criticism that um, he holds the ball a little bit too much. I guess the quote was uh, one of the next players would say, you never know what he's going to do with it, so you just sit and wait until he's done. You know, getting rid of Clyde Frazier because of that, and then, you know, importing Bob McAdoo and Spencer Haywood really helps out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which, obviously, they wouldn't pound the ball, but, like, once it goes in, it's not coming out, especially with Spencer. Yeah. Hmm. And they they still had Earl Monroe, right? So that's yeah. It doesn't doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, Monroe actually, um, Frazier actually stepped down as captain over the last season, and and, uh, Monroe took it over. um, So, which I thought was interesting. Fun times in New York. Yeah. One of the things I was, um, I guess, a few years ago, but actually like really look deep at Earl Monroe stats. It's like, he had a nice little, uh, not quite a comeback, but uh, kind of like reinvention at the end of his career, like in the late 70s. Seven, the I was like, I was like, oh, Earl is actually like still playing all-star level, uh, but like in a different fashion where he really did become more of a point guard instead of a, a combo guard as he was earlier in his career. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he sacrificed a lot, especially numbers-wise, you know, when um, you know he was put in there with... Um, with Frazier. I mean, you know, he deserves probably a little more credit for that than he did because, I mean, he, you know, obviously he's still well-regarded and a top 50 uh, guy and all that, but probably got less individual acclaim than he might have, um, you know, in a different situation. Like, I mean, people don't think of him in the same way necessarily like, you know, Pete Maravich. Uh, and there's other reasons for that. But, like, I mean, you know, he was a guy who, you know, had incredible <laughs> – did incredible things with the ball and, you know, was fascinating and, you know, was um, – you know, big deal. Yeah, I, I, I don't see him, you know, kind of regarded even in some of the same light as some of the other, you know, individual brilliance of the 70s. Can we give a shout out to the assistant coach who's wearing the same color uh, sport coat as the uh, Buffalo Braves jerseys? He's this, this like powdered blue. Uh, let me see if I can see him again. Yeah, there he is. Oh, He's definitely an assistant cool. coach in nice. like the yeah. same. I love it. Oh, God. Let me tell you. Yeah. That's a, that's a Brian Colangelo looking color. Ooh, yeah, look at Bill Fitch. Wow. Yeah. Looking young. I yeah. know. He was young at some point. Yeah. Must have been. You like he dyed his hair to match like the, the kind of ruddy color the Cavaliers have? He's going to hit the town of Richfield uh, after this game. You know. <laughs> the gas station and <laughs> oh, yeah. highway. Yeah, yeah he's ready to hit the cornfields up there in Richfield. All right, go to work, man. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Oh, actually, I can't believe we haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, we've mentioned Will Jones's name a couple times, but like, um, you know, he had like three brothers also playing the NBA. Yeah, yeah. the Jones boys. Let's see, it was Will, Caldwell, Charles, and Major. I think those are all yeah. four of them. And yep. their career stretched from like '69 to '97, right? Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Charles was the last one. Um, yeah, I remember him being on the Rockets in the mid-90s. So, like, how old is this man? <laughs> and he was, like, 38 and averaging four fouls per, per game in the finals against Shaq. He just went on the court to hack him, basically, for three or four minutes in a row. I, I, I oh, yeah, yeah. That's all he was there for, to give the team, like, his five minutes of rest a game. 
Like, yeah, Olajuwon played like Jesus. He played like 40, 43, 44 minutes a game in those playoffs. But yeah, Charles Jones is just a hatchet man at that point. Yeah. Well, it's not like Pete Chilcott could help you under the basket. So. Well, hey, <laughs> hey. You know, I, I got it in like my to-do list is to write an article about Pete Chilcutt in the 95 playoffs. Uh, in, in the first couple of rounds, he actually was really important for the Rockets. But then once they got to David Robinson and Shaq, they kind of threw him on the bench. So they're like, oh, you're a little too uh, thin to handle these guys. A little too white. Uh, you said it, not me. But... Yeah, I, I said it. <laughs> now, he, there's one, I forget which, I think it was game seven against the Suns. Like, he freaking killed them. Like, he was hitting jump shots, and, like, the Suns just, like, refused to go out and guard him. It's like you might want to guard the guy that you know the six ten power forward that can hit threes, but they just left him alone. So there's a reason why they called him Chili Pete. Awesome nickname. Yeah. Chucky Williams at the free throw line. So he uh, was a two-time ABA All-Star, although technically the second one is because he was in the Nuggets and all the Nuggets were All-Stars. Yeah, uh, those ones should. Yeah, Monty Tao was an All-Star as well. Yeah, he uh, he started with the uh, with the Pittsburgh Condors. Uh, he he played with Charles Williams, uh, you know, who was part of the the backcourt with uh, Chico Vaughn the year they won the title uh, with Connie Hawkins. Um, and uh, it bounced around the uh, ABA. A lot of ABA vagabonds, as we talked about. He set a uh, a record by playing in 90 regular season games in the uh, 1970. No one else uh, in ABA or NBA has ever done. Walt Bellamy has the NBA record with 88. So, fun times. Uh, the announcers mentioned that um, that uh, the reason he felt lost in Denver is because uh, where he played just before he came to Buffalo is because the ball wasn't in his hands very much. So, hmm. guy like the ball in his hands. Randy, he's balling. Yeah, he is balling. Yeah. 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 He was a bad, bad man. Yeah. Not enough respect. Of course, no one, no one ever gets enough respect. No. no. <laughs> Not unless you play in the nineties. Well, literally, uh, you play for the Bulls in the nineties. You know. Oh my God! Yeah, that uh, damn documentary. <laughs> quote unquote, unquote documentary. No, <laughs> wow. he almost made that. He really almost did. Yeah, I keep uh, looking at the box score. So something must happen with Randy later in this game because he—I feel like he's just like kicking ass in this game but he, he ends 10 of 20 uh, in this game which I don't I mean, maybe he misses his next 15 shots because I feel like he's made everything that he's done and somehow Clyde Frazier who I feel like has missed everything ends at 15 and 20 so yeah I don't know where this game's going in the future but um, it almost seems like Buffalo is a team Swinator and 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 and, and Smith Randy Smith only two guys who stood out Really? Done much right. Yeah. Somehow Marvin um, Barnes is going to get 14 shots up and only make five of them, and I don't know when that happens. But well, Marvin is in the hey. game. Uh -oh. <laughs> Maybe it's now. Yeah. Marvin has decided. So, I'm in. Let's go. Yeah. Did he get like a one quarter suspension? It was only this college football like suspension thing where. He did something, and they said you can't play in the first quarter. Because did he get in in the first quarter at all? He did no. not get in the first quarter. No. I, I, I think the starters might have played the whole Yeah, I think first they may quarter. have. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if I even saw a substitution at all. So. So, 
This was um, Marvin's uh, only his fifth game as a member of the Braves. Uh, he'd been traded after slightly over a season with the Pistons. He'd averaged uh, uh, about 10 points per game and five rebounds per game on 48% true shooting in 65 games. Uh, also had a stint in uh, in jail during that time. Um, so uh, I think he I think he brought a weapon to an airport. Uh, I believe it was the best of us. Um, I brought a pocket like knife to an airport without really remembering, <laughs> without knowing that I did. So, thank God I'm white because they just took it from me. So that was cool. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say, they put him in jail for that. No, like, I, they, yes, like, yes, no, they should have, Curtis. Moment. Yes, they should have. I, I think they, uh, I think he violated probation with uh, that. Oh, oh okay. I was not on probation for the record. So. <laughs> there may have oh, been yeah. drugs involved as well. I, I, I don't remember exactly. But anyway, he I was. I think he had the unfortunate incident with the Providence team, and so that carried throughout his career. I think there was some sort of probation agreement due to that. Yeah, I think you're right. Was it Larry Kavridis or something like that? The Providence teammate who he allegedly hit. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Okay, that's some kind of disease. Okay, so I see where he's going to get his shots up very quickly. So yeah, yeah. You know, look at Billy Knight trying to encourage him. Yeah. But yeah, J- Jason, you might have you might have had the idea to get to this, but but the coverage about him joining the team is incredibly optimistic. It's like everybody's everybody. The press is writing about how good of a job Bob McKinnon is doing, and yeah, it didn't turn out that way actually. Yeah, not not so much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, um, you know, you look at the. Um, I mean, the trades that they made in the offseason. I mean, um, and this was uh, Norm Sanju, who was, you know, of course, the 80s uh, Mavs GM. But he, um, you know, got Archibald from the Nets, traded away Ernie DiGorio, got Adrian Dantley for Billy Knight, um, traded the number three overall pick that, that became Marcus Johnson for Nader, which, you know, not, a, you know not as much as we like Nader here, obviously not a great trade. Uh, getting Marvis Barnes for Gus Gerard and John Shoemate and Ooh. hiring Cotton Fitzsimmons as coach. So, yeah, they definitely um, – they completely overhauled the team. Like I said, on paper, they didn't look too bad, but it, you know, became a disastrous uh, season pretty quickly. And obviously, you know um, – Get Arthur, Arthur, oh, Yeah, that was a, a fast was break. Nice. Yeah, that was nice. I'm liking this Buffalo Yeah, you got it. This, yeah, this, alcohol poisoning yet, Rich? <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I, I'm not. I, I don't know uh, off the top of my head, but I'm guessing this Buffalo Braves franchise ended up doing like tremendously well. I'd imagine, right? Oh, like, yeah. Obviously. I haven't watched the NBA yeah. since 1977, so I'm not sure. But right. uh, I'd oh, have to imagine that Buffalo is, is one of the top yeah. organizations in the league. Yeah. I mean, you got Tiny Archibald. You got Marvin Barnes. Everything's great. You got powder blue jerseys. You're good to go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Playing in a uh, you know wonderful Buffalo, New York. Yeah, judging by their roster, they they might have been better off if they had played every every day in Richfield. Like, maybe, maybe the guys were sober for once. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that was a, that's a pretty terrible pass. Okay, yeah. it's all over for Buffalo. Move them, move them. There you go. go. All right, get them out of there. <laughs> get them out of that dump of a yeah. town, Buffalo. Right. Sunny San Diego. I've heard they. I've heard they want a team. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that San would be. San Diego. A good place. Yeah, I think that's going to work. I mean, yeah, it seems yeah. like you know when you're done with the beach, you want to go to a basketball game for sure. So, so right, that's, this is one of the like underrated, like stupidest things that happened in basketball history. It was like San Diego had three different franchises in the decade. <laughs> they always like, tried. Yeah, they never gave yeah. it up. They finally gave it up. But like, like yeah, who, the third time, they're like, all right, 
Maybe one more time. We'll try this. It's like, no, guys, it might not work. Like, it's like none of them ever did anything. It's like San Diego Rockets lasted what, like three or four years, and yeah, they moved, yeah. and then the got the conquistadors. Yeah. Hey. Of like hey. three years, and they folded. Jeez. So, uh, so fun fact, uh, playing in this game, I don't know if he's been in yet. I don't think so. I think he's actually about to come in. Number seven, uh, Bingo Smith, um, played for both the San Diego Rockets in his very first season and the San Diego Clippers in his very last season. He's the only player on both San Diego NBA teams. How annoyed is Rick Barry that he's uh, second? <laughs> well, I think even by then he knows he's not white. Does he? Is... Does he? <laughs> no. You know. Also, how do Portland Trailblazers just popular? Is he yeah, all the leaders? Or... Yeah. Well, they uh, were like, Lionel Holland was leading the guard vote. I mean, they were like 28 and 4 at that point, though. So, I mean, you know. The best guards in the Eastern Conference, Pete Maravich and Doug Collins. Yep. I'm sure that's true. Couldn't do with the fact that you had to, like, use the ballots at the arenas and they were always in teams. Right, that makes, that's actually that a very good right? idea. Yeah, I, I hadn't even thought of that because I've, I've lived yeah, only in a life of like you know online or you know internet all star voting. So. Yeah, when because there are like five hundred people in this arena. Yeah, the Cavaliers are certainly not getting any all star votes this year. Yeah, but well, the Cavs actually were like again they were okay. This yeah. they were um, they were leading the division at this point along with Washington. So um, they weren't a bad team. I don't think they uh, I don't think they had an all-star, but uh, let's uh, let's do a double uh, check of that uh, real quick and, uh, and confirm that they did not have a uh, all-star. But yeah, but they actually, you know, they um, you know, been fairly good the last few seasons. And obviously they made that, you know, the miracle of Richfield 1976 Eastern Conference Finals run and, you know, they've been a decent team for the last um, few years, but Speaking of Bingo Smith, he definitely stands out to here. Uh, if anybody on this team made the All Star, it would have been a uh, Campy Russell because the rest of these dudes. Yeah, <laughs> that's if Campy. I know Campy made the All Star team once. I think I don't know if it was this year. It was not this year. So, but I'm still astonished. Like I know that Jim Jones. I think it's he's listed at six eleven, but. They look like a bunch of six nine guys running around. They're so small for this era. And obviously yeah. their of white stiffs hasn't started yet. That's more like eighty two, eighty three, but still they look incredibly small. Yeah, they look like a, a modern team more than they do a you know a team from nineteen seventy seven. Like everybody's like right. everyone's six eight and long and can jump around and do stuff. Yeah, but it's like well in that era it's like so, you know, different. No, like the seventies were I mean obviously you had like your share of tall sure, players, sure. like obviously Zen. Uh but no, the seventies was like the the golden age of your moderately sized center. Uh, something else I have on my to do list is like the uh, the assist numbers for centers. So like all of them were like six eight to six ten or six eleven at most. Uh, dudes like Sam Lacey and Dave Cowens and um, I think like the tallest guy you can think of probably be like uh, Alvin Adams outside of like Kareem and Bill Walton. But uh, all those guys were like integral parts of passing the ball in the offense so it was a lot different than how people imagine it and, and i think we talked about it on twitter once i i, I definitely owe you a, a a sam lacy video curtis absolutely yes i need more sam lacy most i've seen of him is from the early 80s and he's past his prime but still still whipping the ball around though as a passer yeah 
Nice, nice jumper by Bingo. Bingo's got a spot. There. Bingo's got a spot, yeah. and if you get him in that spot, man, he, he nailed yeah. both those shots. Then it's it's that, that's Bingo, you know, if he is there. Yeah. So, yeah. I love this Buffalo offense, man. This Buffalo offense rules. It's just like no yeah. dribbles, just like five passes, boom, yeah. shot there. Well, it's it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, honestly, yeah, the, this has been like a nice flow. Like it's and it's even like it doesn't feel like super like constricted and super, you know, like it's just it's a, a good pace. Like. Um, um, yeah, teams aren't really the guys aren't really holding the ball that much, you know, taking mostly good shots. Well, guess who their coach is? Yeah, Cotton. Yep. Yeah, Cotton. Cotton loved him some fast moving offense. Yeah, that's why he, he got in trouble with George Gervin later on. <laughs> yeah, George, George wasn't as into running as right. Well, you know, I, I used to like to get his shots up, but I was like, you know. I want the shots the way I want the shots. I'm not trying to run this system you got where people pass the ball around. Right. That sounded like a real George Gurman quote from from that <laughs> I always forget that Cotton played, like he coached until like what was it 98 or 97 or 98 or whatever. Like how old was he? Then? Or is he just a guy that looked like he was 60 all the time? Yeah, I mean he wasn't that old when he died. I mean he was like probably his late 60s, right? I mean, but he was older, but not. Um, yeah, he was like late seventies or eighties. Oh. Right, I mean, but yeah, he was on his third team already at this point because he coached the Suns for a couple years, and then like he coached, he coached the Hawks. Yeah, and he coached the Hawks. Yeah, did he do the Kings yeah, after he, this? The Kings are after this, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. Done. Yeah, of course. Kings and Spurs, and then Suns again. Did he coach anywhere else? No, I think that's. I think that's it. Yeah, two different yeah. tenures yeah. or three, um, three tenures. Yeah, yeah. Suns, he, right? he coached the Suns. Yeah, third time. Like yeah. as like I think an interim coach, but uh, okay. oh, is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. I forgot about that. Okay, that, I mean that, that's my memory. I'm not. I quite think you're sure. right. I'm pretty yeah. sure, like sometime in the late '90s, they like they had fired somebody, and Cotton's like, "Well, shit, I'm already here broadcasting the games. So I guess I'll coach him too." Because he was definitely he yeah. was there in '92, and then they they got rid of him and put him in Westfall, and then um, yeah, I think '96. It's either '96 or '97. I forget the year that he yeah he was like came back. I forget how many games. No way. Became the coach. Um. They All right, here we go. I'm looking at it. Yeah, they they fired Westfall in mm-hmm. in the '95 '96 uh, season, and Fitzsimmons right. came back to take the job. And then I don't know what happened. I don't know if he got fired or resigned. But then, like eight games into the next year, uh, they were 0 and 8. So there's a good reason. Uh, he was no longer coach. They brought in Danny Ainge. So there you go. Wasn't there, you got your Danny Ainge reference. <laughs> Wasn't there some sort of deal where Danny? Fired him. I, I believe that he was the architect of those free of that three point guard team. Or am I yeah. am I confusing it with the Greg Popovich situation? There was something about Danny picking out the players and then beginning to coach them. Right. Sounds about right. Uh, so <laughs> that, would, that wouldn't be the first time something like this. Yeah. Elmore Smith. Elmore Smith is in his game. Wow. Yeah, the only real center that Cleveland has, basically. Yeah, it's, it says he um, it says he resigned, but you know whether or not you know how that resignation came about. You know whether it was a, uh, a resignation of uh, I'm sick of this or a resignation of we're going to fire you, but we want to give you some respect. You know, um, Cotton's uh, given name Lowell Gibbs Fitzsimmons. Hmm. I like it better than Cotton to be honest, but <laughs> but okay, you know yeah. whatever. Lowell's pretty good. Yeah. Curious, where was he from? He's wearing a great plaid suit, by the way. Oh, it, well, 
great as one works for. Yes, you know? <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate seventies fashion. I, I, I won't lie. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 why I like these Cleveland uniforms. That's why I like to play it. I, I've always had a, um, as a younger lad, you know, growing, uh, born in you know the late eighties or whatever. I always had an appreciation for the seventies style. It's it's unique and it's it's not great, but I don't know. I, I like it a lot better than you know going back and looking at like nineties style that I grew up with. I think that was pretty horrendous. Um, 80s style, I'm not too into. 70s, I don't know. It's not about 70s style. It was. I like a plaid suit. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I just think I could never pull that off, or like ever even want to pull it off. And like I look at like old pictures of my dad, and I'm like, why? Like why the hell did you think that that was like what you should wear when you left the house? And I don't know. It, it, you know, a brave era in fashion for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No pun intended. Like my dad deciding. Yeah. You know what? I need a giant mustache and a plaid suit. Yeah. But there is some sort of balance between classiness and showmanship in the 70s, right? Yes. I think it strikes it strikes right in between those two things, I agree. which makes it... Yeah. I, I like a lot of the 70s fashion and, you know, and, and stuff. I, I just <laughs> think her... Like, <laughs> okay. The pants are maybe, okay, the pants are maybe a little much. Okay. I, I, okay, I'm going to retract my statement on the pants. All right? No, no. I, yeah, I think that shot got to what you were going for, though, because, like, <laughs> Cotton's got on a three-piece suit. So it's still clearly, like, a classy uh, concept. Right. But the plaid kind of makes it over the top. Right, but right. he wore that to, like, a New Year's party and, like, didn't bat an eye. Like, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, so I think in the, like, in the late 60s, people got a little bit too wild because, like, obviously, you know, the drugs and the hippies. Um, <laughs> they're like, like, no, we're tired of wearing suits, man. And so, like, they, you know. Yeah. We're basically wearing nothing. Uh, right. Then the seventies were like, okay, maybe we can't wear suits again, but let's make them like you know outlandish suits. So he gave like cotton fits in. Right there. <laughs> right. Uh, but then he also had cool stuff like uh, Lenny Wilkins. He has some really good suits mm-hmm, in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, uh, obviously, uh, what's his name? Uh, I think that's a good look. Larry Brown. Some of his crazy outfits. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm excited to see what this year's NBA season is going to bring. A lot of uh, windbreakers and polos, I'm sure. But, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but they've said that, they can, you know, they, they, they've, they've loosened the rules a little bit, so we'll see. There's a lot of sweaters. <laughs> Under Armour, yeah. long sleeves, I'm sure. So. Yeah, again, I, if it weren't for just the side, those side stripes, I wouldn't mind these Cavs uniforms too much. It's it just, it's too... I mean, yeah, it's you're wrong. Too, I mean, you're wrong. It's all right. It's, it's okay. You're okay. wrong. But that's hey. fine. I mean, I've, I've usually, been usually we're in lockstep with uniforms, but I think these rules. So, um. okay, yeah, I think they're just a little bit too much. Um, maybe if those stripes were just like a like thinner, like regular like size stripes, maybe they'd be better. I don't know. I want that. It I want matter. that sweater that guy's got. That collared sweater, the the assistant. You know what I think it is. I think it's the fact that they keep the stripes going, like around the armpits and around the neck, the collar. Okay. I think if they got rid of that, just the neck, the yeah, sides. the neck and the collar would have, been, yeah, the neck and the sleeve, yeah, uh, okay, maybe would, would have been, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that might make it less busy. Or maybe if we were just the shorts, maybe if we were just the yeah. shorts, <laughs> maybe, the that, maybe that would be better. Yeah, I, I think I'd be into that. But uh, Jim O'Donnell right. of uh, at Blazer History is in our chat room, and he says he loves the stripes. So Jim okay. knows what's up. Yeah. So. All right. Well, yeah. So just accept that you're wrong. It's fine. I, I, it's fine. <laughs> I, <laughs> I accept it. I, we're not. No one's. No one's criticizing the powder blue Buffalo Braves, right? No, because yeah, no. everyone's out. No, I'm deleting classic. this thing, and we're leaving it. If anyone has anything to say about these, oh, they're lovely. Okay. 
We don't really have enough powder blue uniforms. No, we don't. I mean, we it's all over baseball, obviously. That was no, a huge we got enough. <laughs> powder blue is good, but you don't want to overdo it. Well, I, okay, agreed. Yeah, you don't want to overdo it. Yeah, 19, I, I, 1978 MLB were like literally every team had powder blue uniforms at one point. Right. So. That was too much. I, I agree. Um, but, you know, it's um, – I, I do feel like the color palette of the NBA could be a bit more diversified today. And in the 70s, it was more diverse than it is today. Oh, I love this, the free throw before halftime. Fuck it, we're going in. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. We got to get some smokes. <laughs> Everyone's going to get their yep. smoke breaks. Yep. Have a beer. Dude, his teammates are like sitting there like, come on, dude, hurry up. <laughs> come on, we got to get our smoke in. Yeah, we only got 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's probably more distracting for them. They're like standing there looking at them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love the side free throw, too. I was always a big fan of that. The Nick Van Exel. The, uh, I'm trying to remember guys like in my, you know, Derek Fisher. Derek, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing, you know, never, yeah. never right at the line. Everyone goes right in the line, right in the center. But yeah, there's a few of the offset guys or a few steps back. That is, that's, uh, that is John Lambert who um, who shot that. Uh, Wasn't that Bill right Jones? I keep seeing Bill Jones everywhere. Let's see. Um, I believe. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. They better show the horse game. <laughs> Hold on a minute. I was, you're right. Um, Kurt, or, um, Rain is, you're right. It was Will Jones. I was looking on the Cavs roster. So, for a moment. So, okay. thank God I'm one for you. Yeah, the abominable Santa's back. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. an aggressive beard. <laughs> that, is, that is a fright. And, and not a willing child, it looks like. Yeah, that child yeah. was, was yeah, grabbed had, against his will. I had that same shirt and a haircut uh, as a kid. Um, so, oh, Miss Grace. Cleveland is gonna Ooh. give uh, gonna give give some gifts here. So, greater Cleveland, to, uh, Don Cricky and uh, and Steve Jones. So, all the uh, all fans that are excited. What uh, what they got? I'm wondering oh. what Ooh, Steve going with the big gift. I, I like it. So. I know Steve yeah. snapped that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they didn't show the horse game. Hardwood Clacks is some cowards. Yeah. yeah, I was looking forward to at least a highlight of it. Damn. Yeah. Like, tell us who won. Don't need to watch the whole thing. Yeah, you know? right, right. Horse can get kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, horse is not yeah. very interesting. So. All right. I believe this Randy Smith actually com- competed in the horse competition this season, so it might have it might have been a game of, with him. For some reason, I have the memories of, of him getting far in that. Do we ever, we, do we ever do a show on the horse like competition, Jason? I, we did the in-season dunk contest competition, but I don't know if we ever talked about the horse competition. I think we, we may have like touched on it. Yeah, but, I remember talking um, about it, but never really. I, I don't, there's not a whole lot of footage, if I remember correctly, right, Reynas? Yeah. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, there's a lot of footage of the in-season dunk on this, which is absolutely yeah, that, yeah, that is an unfortunate thing. Okay, this has got to go. I, he's Alex English. Yeah, oh my he's god, he's making me hate Christmas. I, I really don't want him to go away. That's that is unfortunate. Okay. Um, oh, so, also, uh, for, for just real quick for for folks watching, uh, if you noticed earlier, they showed like the halftime stats. Be thankful they had turnovers because this was the first season that they recorded turnovers. In the That's NBA. right. Yeah. So nine each for for the clubs in the first half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of whole opportunities to turn up the ball with the way they were shooting. Frazier's got 19 points. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, yeah I didn't quite notice that. Yeah. Um. Um. Mm-hmm. 
So, I, you know, something I I don't ever, I guess I just don't think about is, uh, is that Cleveland and Buffalo are only three hours apart, which is actually closer than Cleveland and Cincinnati are from each other. Um, I don't really think of them necessarily as, like, you know, rival cities, but, you know, geographically, they're, they are fairly close. Um, they both were expansion teams in 71. They both kind of, you know, got relatively good at the same time in the mid-70s. Um, never actually met in the playoffs. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, oh, God. unfortunately, oh, Oh, my oh, God. God. Oh, God. Oh, All right. Just hold on. Hold on. Hold on, guys. Hey. <laughs> hold the ball for a sec. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then they both, um, you know, obviously their futures, they would both become jokes of the league for bad ownership and trading away uh, draft picks. So a lot of parallels between these uh, two franchises at this time and then over the next few years. And maligned and malign cities that aren't actually as bad as, as, as people say. So that, right. right. I mean, Buffalo's yeah. not. I mean, neither are great, having been to both of them. But, I mean. Not as bad right. as people say. I mean, they're, they're fine. Yeah. The replacement Cleveland, level, the replacement really level American them, cities. <laughs> Cleveland's, you know, Cleveland's pretty solid, you know, place to hang out. I mean, Buffalo kind of stinks. I'm sorry. I actually need to okay. rescind right. that. <laughs> Buffalo's pretty I have, terrible, no, so. I have no opinions about Buffalo. But. Well, that explains a lot, I guess. Yeah, that's why they don't have a team. So, so, so I have a question. I... Because the original plan for, you know, the, the whole thing that kind of prompted, you know, the Braves and um, uh, um, Celtics swap is the fact that, you know, Irv Levin, owner of the Celtics, wanted to move the Celtics to um, San Diego, which obviously the NBA didn't want to do. But, you know, at this point, the Braves, you know, at this point, the Braves, you know, were already obviously in, they were in financial trouble. They had gotten ownership from, you know, transferred ownership to John White Brown. They, you know, were looking to move from Buffalo. Where was the plan to move them if the, you know, opportunity to swap franchises and move to San Diego didn't happen? Like, would they have gone to Kentucky because John White Brown is from Kentucky? Like, anybody know if there was ever any, like, talk of, like, where Buffalo was going to go before, you know, the, the San Diego swap ended up happening? I have no idea. Nope, nope. Okay. Yeah, I, I, and I, I, you know, again, maybe they wouldn't necessarily have moved if, you know, the opportunity to franchises with the, um, you know, with the Celtics hadn't happened, but... Um, it does, you know, leave me. I mean, Kentucky makes a lot of sense to me. Obviously, that was a market that had previously been excited for basketball. You know, you, you bring them back, you bring them back, maybe even as the Colonels, you know, that, that could have you know, done okay. But um, it's just uh, something that occurred to me as uh, as we were doing research for the show. Well, you know, yeah. since you bring it up, uh, they probably should have moved them to Dallas since the Mavericks were an expansion team like a couple years later anyways. Right. It would have spared us all the trouble of another San Diego failure. And it's also kind of funny that you bring it up because, as I said, I did some reading about the transactions they did, and John Y. Brown was really proud of the job they did before the season. And <laughs> he even mentioned, like, doubters about him, his job and the job he did in Kentucky, about him meddling within the team. And he was supposedly very optimistic about this, and look how that turned out. Yeah, I, you, you kind of figured, you know, given the fact that they had so many former ABA players and, you know, of course, you know, he was the owner of the Colonels, he had a lot of familiarity with those guys and, you know, several of them played for the Colonels. 
that he must have had you know, heavy involvement in that. And he obviously was known as a meddlesome owner. When he went to the Celtics, obviously he and um, Red Arbach famously clashed over some of the decisions he made over Red's head. And um, so, yes, that, that would be in line with your reputation. And, and there's an interesting aspect to this because obviously Norm Sanju is listed as the general manager, but the press from that day actually mentions Bob McKinnon, who's supposedly the assistant coach. They they mention him as a general manager also, and in some other publications it's director of player personnel, something along those lines. So he, he also wanted to grab a lot of the ABA guys, ABA guys because he obviously coached Marvin with the spirits, and I think a couple of other guys as well. Must have sure, been. that makes sense. So yeah, unfortunately relying on the ABA alums in multiple ways didn't work out. No. Other than Sven going to work. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah Sven, I mean, he was a uh, double-double machine. I mean, he, he had a good career. I mean, he was definitely a, you know, Sven and, and Randy Smith were, were probably the keepers here. And, I, and they were, the, in fact, the, the players who ended up um, going to... Um, San Diego the next season. Everyone else, you know, got um, went to the Celtics or got dumped afterwards. So, um, I mean, I guess in then theoretically Billy Knight. Although obviously that didn't, you know, that didn't really work out. But you know, Billy Knight got to be general manager of the Hawks. You know, hey, got the, greatest honor, the greatest honor could have bestowed loved, on man is <laughs> he, he loved the uh, he loved the wide butts as he uh, as he said. So. <laughs> Hey, he, hey, he got it to Horford, so we'll... we'll uh, yeah, that's a wide bud. That's a wide bud for yeah, sure. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That was a fun team. So, that was a fun team for a little while. Yeah. It was? Hey, well... I had fun. <laughs> Jason had fun. Yeah. <laughs> I had some fun. So. Hey, you know, like, honestly, like, after s- several, several terrible years, you know, the fact that they got, like, became a decent team and, you know, um, you know, that was good enough for me. Okay, I guess a winning record equals fun. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, at a certain point, if you're bad for long enough, yes, a winning record equals fun. Yeah, I, having grown up, you know, watching the Bulls these days, I will take, like, literally anything and consider it fun right. at this point. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're the Orlando Magic or you're the Sacramento Kings or, you know, a team that's been bad forever or or mediocre to bad forever, yeah, you'll, you'll take a few winning seasons. You take, take one playoff series win, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta watch Joe Johnson dribble a lot, but yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Well, to give you a different perspective on things, having grown up a Rockets fan, uh, um, granted, spoiled with our two glorious championships, um, things can get bad real quick. Obviously, uh, my my personal nemesis, Steve Francis, um, that that was not good to watch. Uh, but then, of course, these last few years with uh, James Harden. That's an, personally speaking, that's an example of a team that has a winning record. That is not fun. fun to yeah, that, that's true. That's true. That was yeah. very. It's been very, very painful. Yeah, the, the James Harden thing is, is hard to describe to people that like because I have people that like you know casually watch basketball and they're like, hey, you know, what do you think of James Harden? I'm like, yeah, he's like great, but I hate him. <laughs> like he's like the like he's awesome and like the things he does are incredible, but I never want to watch him play basketball ever again. Like basically, yeah. no, like it's. It's like if they, if he showed up on the pickup basketball court, I'd cuss under my breath. Like, yeah, oh for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If I'm, P, I'm, I'm, we're all PJ Tucker just sitting in the corner, being like, "Come on, man, what are you doing?" 
let's go. Yeah. Now, now I'll, I'll say with Harden, once in a while, when he's when he has it going, he actually is genuinely fun to watch. Yes. But you know, like that that is relatively rare. I mean, usually it's like cheap fouls and annoying stuff. But you know, when he's really just in a groove, like it, it's really fun. My favorite thing about Harden is he he is like that pickup guy too that that, that Curtis is describing too. Because like that guy. You'll you'll say like, hey man, can you like pass the ball a little bit or like, hey move the ball around? And then like the next time you play, all he does is pass. Like he won't refuse to shoot. You're like, oh, just, like somewhere well, in between, like, somewhere pass, in between taking every shot and dribbling every time and passing every time you touch the ball. Because I have a buddy who's that way. I'm like, hey man, like move the ball around. He's like, all right, fine. And then he just passes every time. I'm like, no, like, somewhere in between. Like like James Harden game seven is like, no, there, there. You wanted me to pass there, I pass. And it's like, no, like you can score too sometimes, but. Like, also known as the Kobe and the Will. <laughs> right, right. Oh, God. Oh, the all-time series. Yeah, nobody that, nobody brings that series up. That was like, oh, what a competitor. Oh, mama mentality. Like, he fucking totally just decided to prove a point in a game and lost a playoff series because of it. Yeah. Game seven. Got shit too much. Shoot all yeah. you want. Made his point. Here, smush. Yeah. There you go, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Like, nobody brings it. It's never brought up in Mama Mentality memes is, you know, blowing a game seven <laughs> to prove a point. Is this, uh, is this McLean or is this, uh, Williams? What? This is Randy Smith. That's Randy. Oh, Randy Smith. oh okay. Sorry. What, they all look alike to you? What is this? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the drinking game has been... Much I don't even know if Jason's participating. But I know I, am. I, I must have been. I was, but maybe I shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at wow, the hustle! Oh, oh, nice. Oh, nice. I love the proliferation of gold chains, though. That that is that is something. Even to Swen Nader, even Swen Nader has the chain while they're playing, which I, I appreciate. Not not enough gold chains in, in, in basketball. Oh yeah, so. no. <laughs> I mean, pray for the better, but I appreciate it. You know what I do miss? Bell bottoms on the refs. Damn right. Damn right. That is a classy look. I love the annoying uh, bumper music we have. It's just the loudest, most annoying Christmas song. Every single time, which is uh, appreciated. Do you really not like these jerseys, Jason? You're out of your mind. You're nuts. You're nuts. I, it's, it's just, it's just too much. Too, no. too many stripes. Would you guys cut it out? We need to appreciate Bill Fitch's suit. That's true. That's, that's a solid, that's a solid yeah. fit that Bill Fitch has got. No, no question. Yeah. Now that, that is, is timeless. Any, any yeah. era that's going to work, that, that suit there. I, well, maybe not. Hey, we got to take the tighter in. I can do a check out. Yeah. Uh, do check out Jimmy Rogers to deride him, who's basically like in the auditions for Boogie Nights. <laughs> oh, he looks awesome. He had the nice mustache going. I want to see a close-up of him. So, uh, Dick Snyder, number 10, he's about to... Uh, he's looking at the... And admiring the ref right now. Um, see if we wow, get Dick any. Snyder. Yeah. Yeah. So he, outside of um, Havlicek... <laughs> what? Uh, Hold on a minute. What is going on? Uh, There's light coming in from the arena. What? Excuse me? Yeah. Probably like the concourse. Yeah. yeah. Or like some kind of poltergeist. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what is, is, it, is it the poltergeist? That would explain a lot of, you know, Cleveland Cavaliers' decision-making over the 80s. So. Yeah. Where'd all those draft picks go? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> right. They went into the... There's, there's strange light over there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That actually makes oh, a lot more no, sense. There we go. We got the curtains. Got the curtains. Oh, okay. Was this like sunrise? Like, what are we? Like, what? What time was this game at? Like, what are we doing? And I am. Yeah, right. Like, what's it? 
Yeah. We have found so, a curtain. Uh, Don't worry, guys. The curtain has been found. So. Dick Snyder was the, at, at that point, uh, only three other players had been in the league longer than he was. He started in the 1966 season. Um, played with the uh, St. Louis Hawks and uh, Phoenix Suns uh, before settling in with the Sonics in the early 70s, kind of where he's best known, and then ended up coming to Cleveland and would go back to the uh, Sonics uh, along with uh, his fellow old man and former Hawk Paul Silas and his coach also being a former uh, Hawk. So three uh, former St. Louis Hawks who were part of that 79 uh, Sonics championship team. So. Yeah, I bet Lenny did him a pilot on that one. Lenny's like, come on, Dick. I've got to get you a championship. Yeah. Didn't play him in the finals, though. He wanted, to win. he wanted to win. So. Yeah. Like, yeah. He was trying to win the championship. Could have got him in for, you know, like a, a minute at the end. For yeah, the bit to bitch Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to lie. I was very happy in 2002 when bitch Richmond got like that five minutes of playing time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was too. Yeah, the old, I was like, wow, bitch is finally chubby playing Mitch Richmond. Finally. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Mitch, Mitch went through a lot, so. He did, man. Those awful yeah. Kings teams, and then got exiled to Washington. Oof. Yeah. It got traded for freaking Billy Owens. Like, what the hell is yeah, that? Yeah, that's <laughs> tough. That's tough. And not like, yeah. like very, very old Billy Owens, too. <laughs> right. Hey, Billy Owens. Then he had to play with Billy Owens. The, 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 uh, the Warriors were like, oh, hell, this didn't work out. Let's trade him with Sacramento, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Like, instill the injury. You got to play with the dude you got traded for. He was a bust, so you got to play with him again. Nice. Oh, nice. Nice down, Randy. Yeah. Randy. Get him, Randy. How does he doesn't have 30 points at this point? I don't know. And somehow he's going to miss like 10 shots here in this next quarter. Like, like he's he's made every shot I've seen, and he has like 30 points, right? Somebody only has like 20, and somehow he's going to go 10 of 20 in this game. That, that box score can't be right. Yeah, no. this is evidence that Harvard Classics footage is doctored. Right, like I don't know what they missed a bunch of sh- like missed shots or something. They don't show the horse competition. Oh my yeah. god! You're right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, it's bullshit. maybe the bo- maybe the guy doing the Cavs box scores you know, had a late night out in a Richfield <laughs> drunk. You know, maybe like okay. me, he can't tell like Randy Smith and uh, Ted McLean apart. So I'm sorry, this Buffalo Braves. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen with this franchise, but I'm liking it. I think this, I don't know. That was a pretty good move by Billy Knight. Yeah, this team is good. This team is really good, guys. I'm just telling yeah. you. <laughs> what I like most about this game is that there's no three-point line to distract the players. No. Given a wholesome basketball, they're going straight to the rim. Orally good basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Snyder. Yeah, let, let's let's give a little love to that move right there. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a comb over in a bald spot, but he's making it work. So that's yeah. Since you did bring that up, intuitively, it, it does seem like there weren't a lot of like guards who started their career in 65 and played until 76, 77. That does seem like a weird career path. Yeah. I mean, I'm basing that totally on feel, but I, I don't think there were a lot of, like, let's be honest, white guards who suffered like the influx of much more talent. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say... Um... I mean, at this point, you know, Havlicek, Gail Goodrich, and Paul Silas were the only guys who've been in the NBA longer than, than he had. So, um, so yeah, he's probably somewhere around. Right. I think he was, I, I think he might have been done by this point. Um, but yeah, there weren't a whole lot of guys there. I mean, yeah, there was definitely, 
Um, yeah, it's got, he's kind of an anonymous guy for as long as he played. Oh yeah. And it was, you know, it was like in, he was, uh, like in 71, he averaged almost 20 points per game. It was like fourth in the league in true shooting percentage. So, you know, he was a good player for a while. Wow. I would have never guessed that. Yeah. Those two stats in particular. Is that Jones? Hey, Jones is having a Yeah. Oh, something else. I don't think he's been in a game yet. Um or even, I don't know if he's even on the roster at this point, uh, but Bill Willoughby was on the Braves roster during the season. One of the um, part of the, I guess, I guess the second wave of high schoolers who joined the NBA, yeah, right, or pro basketball, I should say, because you had a few high schoolers back in the '40s that went into the NBL and BAA, and then they obviously went dormant for a couple of decades. Then you had. Daryl Dawkins, Moses Malone, and uh, Bill Willoughby in the mid '70s uh, go straight from high school to pros. Could jump out of the gym. Really athletic guy. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. He not play in the game. I uh, I don't know if he's on the roster or um, not at this point, but. Let's see. Well, just looking at the box scores, yeah, he looks like he was on the roster at this point, so I guess he just must be injured. Um, right. Or just got a DNP. Right. I mean, I've only seen footage of him, though, with the with the Rockets in the early 80s. But he could jump. That's no doubt. I'm a guy. Yeah. There's a – isn't there a – there's a clip of him blocking um, Kareem. Like, yeah. Does he block the skyhook, I think? He's, he's yeah. like one of the famous, like, you know, the block of the skyhook, which is something, you know, nobody could do because how do you even do that? So, yeah, it's a, it's a famous image. I think he's on the – he's on Houston at that time, right? Yeah. He blocks Kareem? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. But they they did keep going with Rosser. I think uh, a lot of the guy uh, Jim McDaniel's, who once like averaged 20 plus 15 or whatever in the ABA, he got cut during the season, and it was then for him. So they kept trying to find guys. Like I, before this game, I found out about somebody named Larry Johnson, who's not the Larry Johnson. He was on this team, so a lot of anonymous guys kept coming in and out. Yeah, they'd uh, they would get uh, Bert Everett uh, as well. Um, he would, uh, he, you know, the uh, ABA. You uh, stars, right? He would join. He would join the team as well. Uh, definitely play for the I think the Colonels. Yeah, which would make sense. Yeah, yeah. Colonels, Spurs. Uh, yeah, he actually had already had a stint with the Braves. I guess he had a second stint with the uh, Braves after a brief uh, time with the uh, New Jersey Nets. Who were actually New Jersey at that point. They moved to New Jersey. Or, or Barnes again. <laughs> oh, he's in the game. Yeah. He's in I guess we definitely could be drinking during the Marvin Barnes Smith shot. <laughs> yeah, he's going to somehow... He's, I feel like he's only done like three shots, and somebody's going to get 14 up pretty close. Yeah. So I don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah. But, uh, I guess get ready for it. Cause... Yeah. Marvin's getting those rebounds. Yeah. Hey, think... Why is he swinging the ball around like that? There's no yeah. one around. <laughs> trying, to show, trying to show these the new Marvin Barnes. He's not bad news anymore. He's good news. So. Or he was hoping someone's elbow met his face. So he's going yeah. to yeah. elbow some guy in the face. Oh, he's putting the shot on okay, the right? Yeah. This is go- oh, yeah. okay. Never mind. Ooh. Okay, see, that's not Randy's shot. That's... No. Oh. 
All right, so I'm looking at the team's rosters on uh, Basketball Reference, and the Braves employed 18 players this season, which, especially in that era, is not a good sign. No. Because, uh, like, nowadays you got, like, all those two-way contracts and stuff. So, right, right. You cycle through the 10 days and the yeah, two guys. But, stuff, yeah, yeah, back then, if you got over, like, <laughs> That's not 12 good. people, <laughs> you know. Oh, okay. That's how he's getting all them shots. Yeah, he's just missed. There you go. Just putbacks, missed putbacks. Yeah. Ooh, Randy Mann. <laughs> how was he not fouled on that on that shot? I, I that, that's what he wants to know, man. Was there a foul on Marvin? No, yeah, so Marvin was an in-season trade uh, that happened in November, end of November in, uh, in 77, so just about a month Ooh, before oh, this. A little too fast, a little too fast. Yeah, yeah. Not quite that fast. Um, yeah. yeah, they'd also, who, Mike Glenn, who will end up playing, I'm not, I don't think he's played yet, but um, Mike Glenn will get a few minutes. They acquired him as a fridge. He had sort of an interesting um, story. Um, he was a rookie at this point. He'd actually been drafted by the Bulls, but then was in a car accident and then ended up being released. This is his sixth career game. Um, he'd end up going on to the Knicks where he'd um, take graduate business classes, earn his stockbroker's license, and be get the league citizenship award. And then um, also play for the Hawks and the Bucks. He had a really high field goal percentage for a guy, his a guard his size, about 6'3", you know, um, Average like 55% for his career. Um, also was a Hawks color commentator in the 90s and early 2000s and has an extensive collection of artifacts pertaining to African-American history and has written uh, biographical books on notable African-Americans. So, I had not Obviously. heard this. And this has been your Mike Glenn moment. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, he needed something to take away his mind from those horrendous late 90s Hawks games he spent his life on. <laughs> Hey, they were a defensive-minded team. You know? That's one way to put oh, it, yeah. I guess. Yeah. They, they weren't there for the flash. You know, they were there for the win. Yeah, what, what were they there for? Yeah. Well, I mean, they were fine in the late 90s. What are we talking about? I mean, they, they had, yeah, they had Steve Smith. They had yeah, um, they, they, they were good until, like, 2000, and then they were bad from, like, you know, 2000 to 07. Yeah, like okay, that 99 Hawks team, good example of, like, a, uh, a team that might have been good, but it sure wasn't fun. You know? Right. Well, yeah, no. Oh, oh my God. God. Yes, let's go. Yeah. And that's how you fall for him the seventh day. Right. The ninth, the tenth time. You yeah, that's what you're going to do. Let's, let's get Marvin Barnes. Barnes. He's going right. to be good this time. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was lower. Yeah. yeah. And imagine the guy has done, like, parties and drugs for, like, four years straight at this point. Yeah. And he's oh, yeah. still that good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's 25 at this point. I mean, maybe not even quite 25. He's still extremely young, but, yeah, I mean, he's basically washed up. Um, you know, I mean, he it would end up Clyde's existential's crisis that he's going through right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in motherfucking Cleveland on Christmas Day. Yeah. God damn. What yeah, am I doing waiting. with my life? He's just hoping he can make his flight to New York. Yeah, he's like, are you yeah, kidding me? He's wondering how the hell did I end up in Richfield. Yeah, I'm yeah, in whatever. Richfield, fucking Ohio. On Christmas yeah. morning, what am I it's doing? The worst with my Christmas life? ever. Yeah. 
And did they really have to show this on CBS? <laughs> right. <laughs> my family knows about this. Now my friends know that yeah, I'm in just Cleveland. Just let, let me play out the strings in obscurity, please. Don't, don't show this. And Bingo is just trying to say, hey, man, this could be all right. Yeah. <laughs> Cleveland's not a bad city. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because so many of the guys from this team, the Cavs, I mean, um, obviously, you know, Austin Carr, um, you know, does a TV commentary. Jim Jones does TV and radio for the Cavs. Um, like Elmore Smith, who we've been talking about yet. I'm not sure he's even played yet, but he, um, you know, he like sells sauce like at the Cavs arena. Like, like a, a bunch of these guys from this era are like still associated with the Cavs, like either employed by the team or at least like, you know, um, you know, are, are, are part of the community. So it's interesting how um, this team, which, you know, frankly, outside of Cleveland is almost completely anonymous is, you know, really linked to that community. And hey, well deserved. Most of them were lifers. Like, Cleveland didn't shuffle their roster all yeah, that yeah. much. Yeah. 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 I mean, for a while, it was fine. I mean, they, were, like, they were a good team from, like, 74 to 79 or so, you know, before those guys got old. Um, it was, you know, the... Uh, it was what they did after that that uh, didn't work out so well. This this year was Elmer Smith with number 52 ah, bondering that's right. Norman, yeah. Well, Rich, I think you're getting the answer on how Marvin got all these shots up. Yeah. He's firing away now here in the late third and fourth quarter. Whoa. Oh, yeah, Lambert. This is um, John Lambert. Uh, he was a backup power forward for the Cavs from 76 to 81. So he also played there for quite a while. Um, I've never heard of him. Like, yeah. He didn't play much, but he um, he was there. He also had brief stints with the Kings and the Spurs retired in 82. Um, after his NBA career, he went into finance. So. I believe that Gus Gerard, who actually was a good buddy of Marvin, they were traded for each other this season. But nevertheless, well, later on, uh, Gus Gerard was pretty angry at Cotton Fitzsimmons that he cut him in order to pick up this anonymous John Lambert about whom I don't know anything else other than this fact. Because I think that's what ended Gus Gerard's career. That was his last stint, and in, in, as you mentioned, with the Kings. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. John Lambert. The only other thing that I have is he was part of a singing group in high school called the State Champs, <laughs> uh, along with uh, a future um, MLB player, Glenn Burke, who pitched for the uh, Dodgers and the A's. Wait a minute, where do you get this information from? I, I have my sources. It's like you're making this stuff up. I'm part of a Dubai group and finance man. What is this, what is this nonsense? <laughs> Books about just... African American artists. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, this guy's got time to broadcast games, write books. <laughs> Get out of here. Hey, that that that's on my Glenn's Wikipedia page. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying that from memory. I do believe it's yeah. on there. Yes, most of these I did. I at least initially found on Wikipedia. But as you know, with Wikipedia, I always try. I always try to verify the original source to make sure I'm not getting any uh, any uh, wrong information. 
Marvin Barnes a little bit. Well, I, I do want to question the last play call decision by the Cavaliers. They were trying to throw it into Lambert close enough, I think, on Marvin Barnes. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, Lambert, just by the way he's moving, I don't think he uh, is a post player, or at least one you want to go to. Right. He's going to give you that hustle, though, that gumption. <laughs> A good, pres- a good presence in the locker room for sure. Yeah. Needs Le- a Leon Gumption. So. <laughs> slap ass. He's a good slap ass. Yeah. I don't know. I do want to appreciate Dick Snyder's defensive stance, though. He's good. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm liking Snyder yeah. a lot in this game. Yeah. So we saw that play a little bit ago. Yeah, the play a little bit ago where he had the, only call, the ladder there where, you know, he, he came across the. the uh, the middle of the court and dropped it down to uh, I forget who he had. Chone, I think he dropped it down to Jones. Yeah, Jones. Yeah, that was an yeah. awesome. Yeah, you play. noticed that play too. Yeah, that was a great, great play. That's like a, a modern, like perfect NBA, you know, perfect like basketball offense these days. That yeah, you didn't see that like ladder style offense that much in these days at least. You know, it is sort of noticeable how much more the Cavs move the ball when uh, Frazier's not in the game. I was going to point that out. I didn't want to uh, besmirch uh, one Clyde Frazier, but uh, yeah. That's okay. I don't think we have any reason not to besmirch him. He's never been on the show before, so. Yet. Not yet. You know, I, think he, I think he'd besmirch himself. Yeah, he, right. I think Talking about the Cavaliers days. Yeah. Because yeah. that's not really him. Richfield does something to, to some people, you know. <laughs> All the corn, you know, it just uh, throws you off. Nice. Oh, what? Push off, yeah. Oh, oh I don't no, know. that was a good call. He used his off yeah. arm to try to clean okay, out space. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. There you go. That's McDaniels, uh, number 44, uh, defending that. Jim McDaniels, uh, who uh, I know Rain has talked a little bit about earlier. But, yeah, as a rookie with the Cougars, averaged 27 points per game and 14 uh, rebounds per game, then jumped um, – near the end of that season to the NBA with the Sonics and then basically did nothing for the rest of his career. <laughs> That's all right. I thought you were very excited about this fourth quarter. So. He's no better than Jimmy McDaniel. Daniel, you know, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Daniel get any dog going. Yeah, right. Lambert post up. Lambert, Lambert. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh-huh. Take him out of the game. At least he got himself out of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. But we do have to know that both coaches have gone to some bench warmers. Yeah. <laughs> Oh wow! Look at Lambert run though. Yeah, yeah, I was, uh, yeah. There you go. Like, like a gazelle. Like deer. Look at that what? Oh, what? Hold on. What was the call? It was a foul. Oh, it was a foul. Oh, that the, the ref was very. I thought he was calling a charge. It was a very exuberant charge. Yeah. Looking call, but okay. He was just very happy to call the, the, the foul. Okay. Yeah, you got to acclimate yourself to the ref calls from the seventies. Yeah, that was a little more, <laughs> little more animated. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which I appreciate. I just have to get myself yeah. in, the, in the. Right. Bring it back. Yeah, that's that's one yeah. thing I miss. I want that yeah. guy running halfway down the court while you're anticipating, oh, my God, what's he going to do? Is it a charge right. or is it a, a block? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's half the trouble that the players have with the referees these days. Like, the refs have been, uh, you know, basically, like, you know, beaten into being robots out on the court. It's like, I'm going to make the call and just, like, you know, try to maintain the cool. It's like, these dudes back then were, like, making all these exciting calls and stuff and, like, being human. Uh, and they, they would talk to the players a lot more, too. Uh, well, they still talk to them today, but I think they were uh, a little bit more uh, truthful with their feelings with the players back then, okay. which I think the guys probably appreciated more. A little more informal. Yeah. yeah. Seems a little more bureaucratic uh, nowadays. Yeah. That was a nice hook by Jim McDaniels. It was, uh, yeah. 
So, so Campy Russell has kind of been taking over a little bit for the uh, Cavs here. Um, he was, uh, his full name was Michael Campanella Russell, named after his dad's uh, favorite player, of course, uh, baseball player Roy Campanella. Uh, he also had a nickname of Mr. Moves. Uh, he, uh, he spent six seasons with the Cavs. He was actually an all-star in 79. Uh, then he went to the, to the Knicks for a couple years, and then he missed a couple of seasons with a, knee, with a knee injury sustained in a pickup game. Tried a comeback with the Cavs in 1985, uh, but released uh, after three games. Also, with the um, Cavs, he's a, he's a co-host of the pre-game and post-game shows on uh, Fox Sports for the uh, Cavs. So, also, two brothers who played in the NBA. Or I'm sorry, uh, yes, two brothers and one nephew. Uh, Bill, Frank of course, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, <right. laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. That's not his brother. Frank, uh, who played 23 games with the Bulls in 1973, and then Walker Sr., who played um, six seasons in the 80s, and then Walker Jr. played 12 games with the Pistons in 2012. Hmm. So not not just Will Jones with the family connections here. Yeah, I think I'm going to give the Joneses the edge uh, in terms of family success. I, I would agree with you. Has there ever been a good piece on, on the upbringing of the Jones brothers? I would read that. Not that I know of. And they all went to, went to the same college, too. They all went to Albany State. Oh. They're, they're from like Mississippi or something like that, right? Uh, I think, think Arkansas. Well, they might have been born in Mississippi, but I think they grew up in Arkansas. And they wanted to go to Albany? I think, well, this, this, it's in Georgia. Oh, I thought, okay. I thought yeah. somebody in New York. I was like, okay. It's a bizarre they place to say, you know what? They, they pronounce it all Banny. Oh, man. Yeah. Not what? Uh, yeah. They actually do. Yeah. I, I no, no, I'm, I'm not doubting it. So, okay, so, you know, to answer a question from a little bit earlier, they were talking about what they were going to show later in the day. Was this the only NBA game they showed then? Because they're, they're going to college football after this. Yeah, or was college football? I, I couldn't remember. I thought they, they said, said Phoenix, but there's no, there's no, you know, NBA game in Phoenix on this night. So I think yeah, that's you're right. the Sun Bowl. Uh, it was so. the Fiesta Bowl, maybe? Or, uh, I think it was the Sun Bowl at that point, yeah. Okay, all right. That's right. I remember previously they, they had talked about it. But yeah, so yeah this maybe is, this was the only game they played this day? I don't know. Why? No, it's a good game though. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a great game. I'm glad they did. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, there. Yeah, there were seven Christmas Day NBA games, but yeah, again, what actually was broadcast on um, on CBS um, on Christmas Day, uh, 1979, nationally, is a uh, is is difficult to ascertain. I'm still very bothered by the fact that John Lambert is somehow on the court. What is still, yes, yeah, he's still. got a lot of minutes. <laughs> he's knocking people around. I, I guess that's what you might like about him because I'm, I'm struggling to find a reason. Well, and if Rennes is struggling to find a reason for someone like Lambert. A bad tall white guy in, then yeah. Yep. I'm officially stumped. <laughs> There's that ball hog Frazier. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. All right, so, like, early this year, I wrote something about, like, Oscar Robertson and how people uh, should appreciate, like, just, just the ridiculous number of, number of assists he had. 
Because look at like the one thing he showed about Clyde Frazier that he has about 4,900 assists. That's an ass eighth all time. And it's like that's chump change now right. uh, for like career assist numbers. Right. But like Oscar, I think he has like 9,800 uh, career assists. Which is like, you look at guys that played in his era, and it's like there is nobody near like the top 20 in assists anymore from like the 1950s or 60s, except Oscar, and he's like still like number five or six in all-time assists. So, Yeah, I mean, they were notoriously stingy about assists in, in his era. I mean, they were probably more stingy about it even in the 70s than they are today, but yeah, they definitely, that's a good point. I mean, there's no one who even came close to his um, numbers that played, you know, at the same time he did. Yeah, no, it's insane, like, you know, the... Like, you know, people talk about the, the pace and the, like, stat inflation. It's like, this this is one stat that was not inflated, was the assists. Uh, like I just mentioned, like, nobody was even close to him except uh, Guy Rogers. But even Guy Rogers didn't have the longevity, so he didn't rack up the career totals. Yeah. Yeah, every time I look at Oscar Robinson's, like, assist numbers, I I, I go, you know, and, and this is, you know, obviously a bold comparison, but I think one that actually works is is I go back to, like, Babe Ruth in, 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 in you know, baseball, where it's just, like, this one guy in a stat that – not nobody else really you know cared all that much about or really like gave that much attention to and this guy just blows away the competition when you look at like you know what the assist numbers that oscar was getting and the assist numbers that other teams were getting and it's just like yeah he's blowing them away and it's like yeah you're absolutely right curtis like i i remember reading that piece and i just was like yeah absolutely He, he does not get enough credit for you know it, it's not a John Stockton situation where people are like, yeah, you know, the Utah, you know, scorekeepers are a little, you know, a little like it, nobody else was giving assist numbers to that level. And it's just like, you couldn't deny how great and how different Oscar was at that time and how important he was, um, you, you know, in, in, in turning that around. So yeah. Well, awesome. Awesome. I, I love that piece. That was a really good one. And to Curtis's earlier point, I do believe that sixties and seventies offense is a lot more democratic. Like obviously it's very homogenic nowadays where, you know, James Harden could be responsible for basically every possession your team runs, but there's a lot more chances for the four guy to work from the post, sure. see yeah, yeah. guys still around. I think that's that's almost also a part of it. Like a lot of guys averaging three or four assists, but nobody averaging like seven, eight, nine on a particular yeah, his team. numbers are just they're fucking ridiculous they're just like absolutely ridiculous in the era that he played in and, and yeah he looks he looks like he doesn't belong when you look at his stats and, and, and yeah that's what makes him that much more awesome so there's typically yeah and two things one on Oscar the field goal percentage is also killer um, like first guard to shoot 50% from the mm-hmm. field um, and then also to Renaissance's point about the uh, egalitarian offense uh, I think it's like the seven. Well, doesn't matter. Like the '74 and '76 Celtics. Like they had, I think, I think everybody in the starting lineup. So like from JoJo White to Paul Silas, like everybody averaged between three and six assists per game. So that just shows like how the offensive load was distributed, you know, pretty evenly uh, across the roster. At least in terms of like setting other guys up. That's a very nice fact. Yeah. And cheers to whoever just opened that can. That was uh <laughs> That was me. What, yeah. what do you got there? What do you what do you got there? I have this is um what is this? This is um down east original blend. There you go. Yeah, unfiltered craft cider, it's very tasty. Or Barnes getting those uh getting those those putbacks. Yeah. Unfortunately, Curtis told me to do uh, the drinking game whenever Randy Smith hustled, and I've uh, I've cleared through this delirium Noel very quickly. So, <laughs> unfortunately, I think it's like a nine percent. So, so 
One thing I, I don't think I, I've mentioned yet, but we, we saw Ted McLean a little bit earlier. Um, you know, he actually holds the single game ABA uh, record for steals with 12. Uh, the NBA record is 11 with held by Larry Cannon and um, Kendall Gill. Uh, one of um, he's one of seven NBA or ABA players to average uh, three or more um, steals per game in a uh, season. Um, and also, we in addition to having the single game um, record for steals, we also Elmore Smith have the single game record for blocks. So, quite illustrious player that we have here. And those first Elmore Smith seasons are kind of like the black box of NBA stats because he, he I think he averaged like four blocks the next season and then right, af- right, af- right after that there's a huge drop off so I always do wonder whether that first year they kind of get carried away by tracking his blocks or what happened there because it almost seems like it, it seems uh, uncanny yeah. compared to the rest of his career. Yeah, yeah, he had, actually averaged uh, five blocks, well, four point nine. So it was like, right? Yeah, like I mean, it's ridiculous. I think some of that is because he went on like a, a a run of like a month and a half where he had like more than ten blocks five times, including the the record seventeen. So I wonder if some of that was like he was gunning for them, and then they were like, "Well, you know, this isn't really helping us because you know your blocks are, you know, you're out of position or you know whatever, or you're knocking them out of bounds or whatever." So don't do it as much. So I'm guessing that probably played into it at least somewhat to a degree. Um, I recently read a um, so, so Stan Love, uh, marginal uh, NBA player, but father of Kevin Love, wrote a diary in the uh, mid '70s. It's about the it's only like about like a couple of months or three months about the 1975 Lakers, but Elmore Smith was on that team. And, you know, one of the things I've talked about him is it's, Elmore was definitely the kind of guy whose effort waxed and waned. And they even talk about it during this game where he like look completely awesome one game and then do nothing the next few games. Um, and he was also the kind of guy who was, you know, played basketball because he was extremely tall and athletic, but didn't really, wasn't really super into it. So, um, yeah, that that certainly may have been you know part of the fact that um, you know he was extremely good in that number for one season and then kind of you know uh, drifted after that. And right now he's getting clutch minutes against Nader. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's kind of the one brave who you know um, size wise can kind of match up with Nader. Like, I mean, you know, he averaged as a rookie with the Braves, he averaged, you know, 17 and 15 as a rookie. Um, and you know, even later in his career, when he, you know, went to the Bucks in the in the trade for Kareem, he averaged, you know, um, 16 and 11 and led the team to the playoffs. So, um, but, you know, I mean, it was a relatively short period of time, but, you know, he put up some big numbers. I mean, it might be kind of like, you know, the Andre Drummond thing where you pick up, you put up big numbers, but you're not actually helping your team win. And he didn't like have like a huge amount of team success in his career, but um, he definitely was productive at the very least. Excuse me, sir. Did you just say Elmore Smith led the Bucks to the playoffs in 1976? I'm saying I said helped lead the team to the playoffs. Okay, I, 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 I missed the help part. <laughs> that would be a bold. That'd be the hottest of hot takes. I like it though. I, I, I intended to say help. Maybe I misspoke, but I my intention was to say help. Jason's Jason's three ciders deep, so don't uh, you know. 
All right. So I was about to say, man, it's like I still have to remind you who was on the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I like the hot take, though. I, I, I wish he did. I wish he would have owned that. Uh, that'd be better, yeah. Jason. Just own like, no, you know what? Elmore Smith is the reason. Elmore Smith. Kareem's overrated. Yes, man. Yeah, if you want to fight with me, because, you know, I was about to defend the honor of Bob Daniels. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that's where that was going. Okay. I thought maybe you were going to, you know, post a Brian Winters take, but, you know, it's a. Uh... Oh, Brian Winters. Oh, yeah. Oh, crazy beard. <laughs> crazy, crazier eyes, too. Yeah, right. Uh, but, hey, to be on the Buffalo Braves, speaking of your Brino Smith, um, in the early 70s, man, they had a streak of getting centers because they got Elmore Smith, then they got Bob Kaufman, and then they got Bob McAdoo. It's just like, wow, you got you got three great centers all in a row, and, like, there's no room for them. So, yeah, yeah they kicked out Smith and then Kaufman uh, to make room for McAdoo. Yeah. Which is the right call, but, yeah. I mean, yeah, it is, but it's like, yeah. you know, that's, that's a hell of a streak. Like, all three right. of them are, are starting caliber centers. Yeah. And didn't they get Moses for a cup of cup of coffee for a couple yeah. of games? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. I think that was this season. I think it was the pre. It was the previous. No, season. no, yeah, yeah, seventy six, seventy yeah. seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They they traded they they traded two picks. You no, know, they they traded one pick to the Blazers for him. Play he played their one game and then they flipped him or maybe two games and they flipped him for two picks uh, to the Rockets. It was. A, one uh, one savvy transaction in the entire history of the Buffalo Braves franchise. So, <laughs> who's that giant, uh, long-haired? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, get him in the game. Let's go. Yeah, he's huge. Renis, who's that? Scott, Scott Lloyd, I think. See, I knew you doing that. Scott Lloyd. Yeah. Man, how bad does he have to be? How bad do you have to be to be that big in this era and still be like, no, we can't play? Oh, I, I will say, um, Scott Lloyd did survive. He he did go to the. Uh, I I said only two players uh, from the Braves in '78 went to the Clippers, but but uh, Scott Lloyd did play uh, five games with the Clippers in the next season before uh, going to the uh, Bulls, where he averaged uh, 1.7 points per game in uh, 67 games for the uh, Bulls. Then he played three seasons with Mavericks. So, I know it's a Maverick, I believe. Yeah, he was an original Maverick. Average a stout 8.8 points per game uh, for the uh, Mavericks in uh, 81. So, 8.8 more than us had. Good work. I knew it. There you go. North Kennels in. The Cavs are up by two. We got have an exciting conclusion coming. Yeah, I, I think we, we before we went on the air, I think we said that like Curtis and I have no idea how this game ends. Like I have no clue whatsoever. Oh. Um, so I'm I'm watching. I'm like nervous for some reason. I don't know why. I never saw game Forty years ago, for though. Yeah. God damn it, Randy. May not have been the best shot by Randy. No, no, it was not. It was definitely not. Yeah. Too early in the clock, and it's really like that straightaway. Full speed pull up is not his shot. No, he tried yeah. it a few times this game, and it, yeah, yeah. He, he scored all of his points on like drives, and then all of a sudden, the last like you know, the last quarter, he's just done the pull ups. So, yeah. yeah, but like pull ups, I've seen uh, other Braves games where he does like pull ups from angles, and don't seem to go better. But yeah, the straight ahead is uh, not good for him, at least from what I've seen. He he even had a couple of beautiful. I wouldn't call them step backs, but he had the a couple of those where he was headed in a straight arrow, stopped on the dot, and yeah. like took it after some consideration. So those were a bit more. They seem a bit more fluid, I guess. 
Actually, you know, you're right, because, yeah, when he spiked that, uh, like that last shot, like, he's, I mean, God, he goes so fast. Like, it's probably hard to get the shot under control when you stop so quick like that after running so quick, uh, running so fast. Clutch free throws by Elmer Smith. Oh, going in. He's going in. Yep. It's like, all right, get your hands out. Yeah, yeah, You're on television. Not, not enough striped socks in today's NBA. I, I will say that yeah. for sure. Yeah, not, not enough team-colored striped socks. Oh, my God. Um, the early and mid-70s, uh, Philadelphia 76ers, fantastic socks. Off to uh, off to do some research on that. You have to, you have to, like, um, when I go to like Getty Images and like, I don't know, type in like, like Fred Carter. I've seen photos of Fred Carter. He's got mm -hmm. some good socks. Mad dog. I'm gonna go have to go ahead and say that Elmore Smith was the second most valuable player on the '76 Bucks. <laughs> Fair. He was behind Andrich, but I think he was ahead of Winters. Forget the NFL today with Wait, Elmore Smith. Wasn't Junior Bridgman on that team? Or is yeah, he, he was a rookie in rookie, I mean, was, rookie Alex English, too, right? No, that was later. That was, I yeah. think, 78. Jim Price? Yeah, Jim Price. You know Jim Price wasn't that good at that point. I mean, he had an all star year before then, but he, I mean, he was okay, but he wasn't anything special that year. Kevin Rastani, who I admittedly have never heard of, uh, but was like the. Um, but. He was uh, one of the key guys in the team. And then Dave Myers and Gary Brokaw basically it. So it is crazy. Jason might be right. You see the elbow or Brian Winters. Hey, it happens once in a while. Once you broke it down, that sounded like a very That's crap a terrible team. team. That's a bad team. How did they make the playoffs? Well, they they looked out because um, that was still the point in which um, it mattered what division you were in. Ah, yeah. So they were they finished second in their division. That division was terrible. So um, no, they finished first. Actually, actually they, they won that division. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were thirty eight and forty four. So Junior yeah. Bridgman apparently what we're finding out here is Junior Bridgman. Is, yeah. So yeah, the Pistons won thirty six games and made it, but the and the Bucks won thirty eight games and the Lakers won forty. Yeah, that was Kareem's first year that they did not make it. So. Yeah, the NBA was not good on the playoff seating. Yeah. Uh, it was the next year where they changed that, finally. Um, I, mean, I feel like we talked about this before, but there's that one time, like in 71 or whatever it was, where the like the Phoenix Suns won like 49 games and missed the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. and then Con got fired after that. Con Fitzsimmons uh, was gone like, after You didn't miss the playoffs, you bastard. It's like, I won 49 games. Yeah, <laughs> right. What else can I do? <laughs> yeah. Con was gone after that. Don't make the playoffs. Here we go. Man, it's over. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, so I'll just so click this 1990 uh, Detroit Pistons game seven, whatever this is. Oh, there you go. You guys got another hour and a half to hang around. <laughs> I'll pause it. Uh, yeah. Well, this was fun. Definitely. It was. You get to watch those Ohioans go out to the to the cornfields afterwards. Yeah. To Great go back Christmas to their cars day. and all, drive on the highway and, to go home. Yeah, <laughs> all drinking and driving, you know, an hour back to Cleveland. So it's a good times. Yeah. Or to Akron. It, it was a regional concert. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or even yeah. what, what was the Miss? Uh, what was the lady? She was Miss Cleveland area, or what was she? She was Miss Greater Cleveland. Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland. Yes, the Greater, greater Cleveland area. Yeah. Well, on and yeah. honor. 
<laughs> yeah. Greater Cleveland. Yay. That's quite uh what's quite quite is that is that are they still giving away Miss Greater Cleveland? Jason, do you do you, are you aware? I know you uh, live yeah, nowhere near Cleveland. I'm just gonna assume since you live in Ohio that you are. Uh, yeah, I um it looks like there is still a Miss Greater Cleveland scholarship pageant. That woman did not appear to be scholarship age. Um and here, yeah, there's a Facebook page. Yeah, that, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, we're looking yeah. Yeah, we're looking at the same page here. So okay. Yeah. They're doing a live nativity on uh, December 13th. If you, oh, nice. you missed it. Sorry. Well. No oh right. yeah, it's, it's a shame. You know, you yeah. live like what do you live like two and a half hours away from Cleveland? Right? Like, <laughs> well, Greater Cleveland, I'm I'm much closer. That's so. true. That's true. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you... So I'm like an hour and a half away from from Greater Cleveland. So it's a. So the... <laughs> are you are you on this page? This Facebook page? I, I am. Okay. Yes. So the second post of the Miss Greater Cleveland pageant page uh is about international men's day a day to raise yeah. awareness about the challenges that men face so oh, what? um it's about time men what? particularly yeah, when get their, get their due. <laughs> yeah what's well, a good question um maybe there is a mr greater cleveland we don't know yeah you know it's 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 about time white men finally get their their due here <laughs> and people start finally recognizing time. the troubles that we go through so thank you yeah uh, miss greater there's... cleveland scholarship pageants for it, uh, it, yeah <laughs> for shining a light on men and the struggles that men go through so we, we appreciate it yeah you know it's a it's about time we get our due anyway yeah. we get heart disease yeah. apparently according to this uh this post as well we get twice, yeah. as, twice as likely to suffer from heart disease so i'm just saying you know yeah it's about time the scott lloyd's of the world right exactly their... yeah right. yeah yeah breach breach yeah god damn it oh so ridiculous uh... <laughs> so apparently <laughs> So the Miss Greater Cleveland, if in case you're wondering, Curtis, the Miss Greater Cleveland is still is still being uh, is still being given. So yeah, so, oh, but I wasn't really wondering. Okay, well, in case you were, yeah, you know, just it seemed like you were wondering. <laughs> it, seemed, it really it did like, seem like you were wondering. So I just really felt like you were wondering. So. No, just because I said something, I mean, I was really wondering. That's fair. Just, okay, well, okay. Sometimes words just come out of your mouth and mm-hmm. yes. don't really mean it. There, there is a Mister Appliance of of uh, Cleveland. <laughs> Excuse so, me. Yeah, Mister Appliance. Is that like there, an appliance store, or is that like, like a what man? The hell who... it, it doesn't appear to be. Yeah, there's now there's a live chat. It says Mister Appliance of Cleveland. And there's a lady who appears on the live chat, so I'm very confused right now. Man, so yeah. that's like Miss Handyman of the Year. I, I <laughs> yeah, is that, is that an award or is it just a business? Yeah, uh, it is a business. Oh, all right, all right. Oh. I like Rainus's idea. We're like the best pipe fitter of 2020 was. Yeah. Jim, <laughs> yeah, hey, they, they serve the Greater Cleveland area. There's a good um, there, there's a good map here that explains what the Greater Cleveland area is. Although Richfield not included in their service area, so oh, damn. Oh wow. They do. Well, I mean, I guess the corn doesn't really need to, you know, too much of <laughs> doesn't need plumbing. Yeah, apparently not. But maybe now that the Coliseum's torn down, there's not really much, you know, reason to surface that area. So, God. All right, guys. We got anything else? Did we? Uh, did we exhaust this? Let's get some plugs. Uh, Let's get some plugs out of the way. Let those guys plug their plugs. Oh, yeah. wait. We we forgot to disparage AC Green. Oh, yeah. we did. The oh, full AC, Iron Man. AC Green sucks. Wow. <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, hold on. That is not the official word of the Overpack Podcast. I don't, Stop. Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know not? if I fully agree that AC Green sucks. Oh, well, yeah. Like, he doesn't suck. He's yeah. just fraudulent in terms of being an Iron Man. I mean, he kind of sucks. I mean, I mean, I mean, he doesn't suck as a basketball player. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Just the whole idea of AC Green kind of sucks. Wow. Sex yeah, addict, I was not ready to sex go addict Jason Mano. I was just ready to say his record was, you know, not worthy of adulation. But man, okay. yeah, Jason, this is a this is a dark side. You're, I never knew you were you're so... attacking a man's character. Yeah, I know exactly. he had a Jerry 
Carroll, but geez. He's a fraud, okay? I'm wow. sorry. I'm, I'm pro Jerry Curl, to be honest. It's a, big, it's a big street. I like the Jerry Curl, but I mean. But, other, okay, yeah. y'all need to quit because Jerry Curl's is like one of the worst defenses to mankind. <laughs> oh, right. Fair enough. Especially on the basketball court, you know how nasty that is. Uh, I, I do. Yeah, I had a buddy who who growing up always. Well, he always said we always we, we would we would laugh and, and we'd say are those Jerry and he'd say they're S curls, they're not Jerry curls. He was very distinct about the difference between the two. But we were like, the ball would hit him, and we're like, dude, come on, like it like it caught like we couldn't play. We'd have to stop the game to like clean the ball off. We're like, come on, man, you gotta like figure this it out. It's already bad bit. enough. You got other humans out there like with sweat. And it was so, like, it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot to to handle, but. Uh, yeah, he used to say, I, I remember that vividly, he would say, they're not Jerry Curls, they're S-Curls. So. But, all right, so here's the, the, the official NBA Ironman, well, I say pro basketball Ironman should be Dolph Shays, because he had the original record at, like, I think he was around 840 games or so. Then was Johnny Kerr. Uh, he got up to, like, 900, uh, a little bit over. Then Randy Smith slash Ron Boone. Um, they, bo- they both should be considered Ironman. And that's basically it, because AC Green doesn't count. And I don't know who's currently is uh, the NBA's Iron Man. So, so why? Maybe I'm maybe I'm ignorant to it too. Why do they just give it to AC Green then? Is well, there I a mean, good like, reason, or just like laziness? <laughs> like no, I mean like no Green like you know technically played like jeez uh, I don't even remember anymore. It's like some absurd amount of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was like yeah, it was well over a thousand. But like you know, he was keeping that streak alive by, like oh, he a token appearance for like two minutes. So just right, to keep right, it up. okay. Yeah. And it was like one game. Where it was like really awful. Like he really should not have played because uh, he was like legitimately hurt. But they're like yeah. oh, we can't got to keep the streak going. He like he literally stepped in for like twenty seconds and did nothing on the court. Then they took him right back out. Like it, at that point, it becomes a mockery, and you should have your Iron Man uh, taken away from you. Like any iron in his body, strip it out. <laughs> Fair enough. All his blood. You, you know what? That's right. No iron. No, no, no blood. Racy Green. Has no blood. Has no deserve. iron in his blood. Yes. Flush that shit out. Yeah. No, you're not. You're not getting yeah. it. Yeah. Dad, right, that, that's my Racy Green. Okay. So, so one thing is Sam Lacey. The other thing I will try to look up for Curtis's well-being is a footage of AC Green checking in in a late blowout, which will prove that uh, his streak is. Let's say false. Yeah. So last season, his last season with the Heat, he plays two minutes in a game with the Knicks. Um, most of the rest of these are relatively um, normal times. We don't need. Obviously, I'm not going to go through the entire archive. But, no, please um, do. Yeah. Every 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 line, if you could. So. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, and, and I will say for anybody that tries to fact check me, uh, I may be exaggerating with some of these statistics, but. It's the truth that counts. Yeah. Sometimes the facts don't bear with the truth, but the truth is AC, AC Green's a fraud. Right. Does yeah. that make any real sense? But what I just said, I don't know, but just believe me, <laughs> AC Green's a fraud. How's it any different from what I said? Did I say something more horrible than that? You said or, he sucked uh... or something. Well, I forget what uh, you said. Well, yeah, was... you were like attacking the man's character. Exactly. Going yeah. For, like, his... Well, I mean, he's the coward for you know falsifying wow. his streak. That. Okay, all right. Here's here's some. All right, I went into his game log just randomly. Oh. So the ninety six ninety seven season, uh, he had one game where he played a minute and fifty five seconds, and then another game where he played two minutes and forty seconds. 
It's like those those seem a little suspect. Like I think I need to go right. into the like the newspaper archives and see what what was up with that. Yeah. I think ninety six, ninety seven is the cutoff point from which you have play by plays on NBA dot com. So that might be uh that might be pretty easy. Let's see. When did he break the record? Ooh, 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 all right, here it is. This is this is this is the bullshit. Uh-oh. All right. Yeah, I found it. The ninety five, ninety six season, February into early March, there's a streak of let's see, about fifteen games or so where he uh, literally yeah. plays un- under 10 minutes in like nine, no, like 10 of those 15 games. He's mm. under 10 minutes. It's like right. one, like literally back-to-back games. So like one game, he plays one minute, another oh. game, two minutes, another game, three minutes, another game, one minute, four See, games in a row. Is that his fault or is that, is that the fault of like the coaches and the team and everybody else? Like, no, that's his fault. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. But guess who's the coach? Dignity. It's, it's Cotton Fitzsimmons. Oh, who once coached Randy Smith? Yeah. So are you saying Randy Smith sucks too? You're saying Randy Smith sucks too? That's fine. That's no, no. We're just we're saying Cotton Simmons (laughs) felt so much pressure to play AC Green, even though you know maybe he. Another thing, Randy Smith voluntarily ended his Iron Man streak because he he wanted to go to a playoff team, so uh, he allowed himself to get cut by the Clippers, so he can go join. I think it was the Atlanta Hawks because they're in a playoff chase. Um, so you know what? Randy Smith's the real Iron Man. He had the dignity to say that. You know what? The streak, I I like it, but it doesn't matter as much as winning. Whereas AC Green, I think the streak meant more to him than winning. What about Ron? You know what? I'm now with Jason. I'm I'm a Puny Kiss character. All right. Well, I'm not I'm not going that far. So I've turned around, I'm with Jason now. All right. Thank goodness. Fine by me. <laughs> Jeez, all right. Well, I guess I'm in then. All right, fuck Ace Green. All right, cool. There we go. All right. I don't want to be left out on Christmas, you know. All right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yes. fuck Ace Green. <laughs> all right. Oh. Um. Anyway, anyways, I got I got nothing to plug. Um, that's not true. Go back. Go back. Go back to your question. Not true. Even even definitely have to plug. Yeah. Even newsletter. Oh, I mean. Like I have done. Okay, fine, whatever. It's plug the damn uh, newsletter. Yeah, I Come newsletter. on, what are you doing? Um, I, I'm finishing up my latest almost upset, which has been really fun to write. Uh, sometimes they get like they're really hard to write because I got to go back and read all these newspaper articles uh, when they didn't have all the footage. Um, but yeah, I'm writing about the uh, the Lakers and Suns from 1993. Nice. And let me tell you, the Suns should have lost that series, which would have been the greatest embarrassment in NBA history. Because yeah, they they won 62 games. The Lakers won 39, and the Lakers could have swept them. And then in Game Five, uh, it went into overtime, and like Oliver Miller saved the Suns' ass, which is like they had Charles <laughs> Barkley, Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley, Danny Ainge, Cedric Sabalos, and it's Oliver okay. Miller who saved their fucking ass right in that '93 season. Unbelievable. The biggest though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my plug. Also, my mom taught with Oliver, Miller, Oliver Miller's mom way back in the day. Huh? Wow, I know, I know. Life is weird like that. But uh, yeah. anyways, that that that's that's my plug. Rainus, do you got any plugs? Uh 
nowadays I mostly have only time for doing stuff in Latvian. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. You really put the battery in my back about this AC Green thing. I, I'll try to find footage of him randomly checking into a fourth quarter. So hopefully I will get back to nonsense like that soon enough. But yeah, maybe, maybe I have to. You, we actually had a couple of nice ideas. Maybe I have to find one of the Jones brothers and interview interview one of them because that's that's a, that's a nice story. I bet. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you've of course, you know, there's you have a lot of archives of the Handle podcast and of your YouTube channel, Lamarmatic. Lots of lots of great stuff there. So uh, even if you're not working on uh, much currently, you've certainly got the uh, you certainly got the old stuff that people can check out if they haven't already. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I definitely, I definitely try to keep the archives alive because, uh, yeah, I, I would like to keep the podcast going one day when I have enough time. But yeah, currently the last two years I've uh, I've been in a lot of a lot of stuff over here in Latvia. So hopefully it gets back up and going one day because I certainly I certainly would like to do it. But uh, currently I'm happy enough to join you guys. You know, once a year or once every six months and. You know, thank God we actually kept this tradition alive. Something that 2020 didn't ruin, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You're not wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was my, my, my uh, macabre thought earlier today. I was like, wow, thank God they're all alive. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just do this. Well, we're um, grateful you guys could uh, join us. Uh, grateful to uh, be able to uh, do this. It's uh, uh, definitely a lot of fun and uh, we'll have to uh, keep doing it again next year maybe even sometime between now and uh, and uh, the holidays we'll have to get together and uh, do some more of this it's always a, a good time so uh, thanks everyone for checking us out and we'll be back again soon everybody have uh, happy holidays